Mark and Tina met by chance in a hallway, and it was love at first sight. Then Tina got invited to a closing for Kairos Prison Ministry, and that led to a new love for both of them. It's now been 16 years, and they are more in love with prison ministry and each other than ever before. Today, we do a background check on prison ministry volunteers, Mark and Tina Wade. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and and not be afraid to say, "Go, go ahead. Check my background. My name is Jaden Gum, and this is Background Check. You already know. Let's go. You can check my background. I'm a forgiving felon, so tell them that I won't back down. now. You can bet I won't live in regret. It's time to earn some respect. You are tuning in to Background Check. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Background Check Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Gum, and as always, the show is brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with the past realize their future. If you want to know more about Forgiven Felons and the work we do and the resource center that we are building to serve thousands across the Metroplex, go to ForgivenFelons.org. From there, you can also listen to this podcast on the show page and and look at all the pictures and everything else on that come with the podcast. You can also see how to watch the documentary, which is on Roku TV and Tubi TV. Uh, also, if you have a loved one in prison, you can also download the application packet on the house page, send it to them, and have them send it back to us. If you'd like to be more involved in the planning of the Resource Center and maybe even in the funding of the Resource Center, check out the current plans page on the website, and then get in contact with me, and we can see how um, you can help. Things we need right now for the Resource Center are a building or a land to build a building on. And we're going to be uh, needing tons of office furniture and equipment. So plenty of ways to get involved. You can also donate straight from our giving page on the website. And other ways you can help the ministry is to download the Roundup app Okay, on your phone, iPhone, Android, doesn't matter. It's a Roundup app. And the idea behind it is you link one of your debit or credit cards. And every time you make a purchase on that card, it rounds up the, the, the loose change to the nearest dollar. Say if you buy a coffee for $1.50 on that card, it rounds up 50 cents to the nearest dollar and donates that to forgiven felons. So uh, download that app today and get signed up and you can give without even knowing that you give every time you spend. Another way is you can buy um, you can buy right off the Amazon wish list. If you go to Amazon and look up the wish lists, you can find forgiven felons on there. And uh, you can just buy tangible items right off that list, and, and it sends it right to the house. So I want to say a huge thank you to everyone who does that on a regular basis, especially David Jordan, who just bought the guys a new weight bench. So thank you, David, for doing that. Also, if you purchase a lot of stuff on Amazon on a regular basis, make sure that you are doing that from smile.amazon.com. Just use your same Amazon login credentials, but then when you make a purchase, it donates a small uh, portion of that to forgiven felons. It's great. It's awesome. Uh, if you're ordering from your phone, go into your Amazon app. And there's a place in there where you can check to make sure you are switched on to Smile, uh, Amazon Smile. All right. So a background check podcast. What are we doing here, man? Outside of me just having lots of fun doing some solo episodes. And, and, and I love doing the, the interviews the most because um, I'm getting to know people that I, some of them I don't know. And even some people that I do know, I'm learning their life at a deeper level. It's been one of the most rewarding things of doing this podcast. Most of the time, you know, we're just digging into the backgrounds, whether you've had a challenging background uh, and you've had to rise above it, or you know somebody and you help them uh, rise above theirs. Like we've had judges and lawyers and, um, and CEOs that help people with backgrounds. So, it's amazing. Sometimes we just do a solo topic and talk about that topic. Sometimes my whole family comes on. That's fun to listen to the, uh, the kids and my wife. But today we have a great interview, and today we are celebrating volunteers that go into prison. All you people, you, you people that have regular uh, prison ministries, you people that go in uh, just every once in a while. I kind of go in with just other ministries. I don't have my own in there. 
but anybody who goes into prisons on a regular basis, jails on a regular basis, I want to celebrate you guys. Okay. And I know that we haven't been able to do that in the last year. Texas prisons have opened them back up. So we're, we're, we're headed back in and we're so excited to get to see those people. We're also excited that visitation has opened back up. The families get to see each other now and we are just, we're, we're excited. And so today we have a great interview uh, with uh, Mark and Tina Wage. They've been friends with us for a while now, and I would say maybe five or six years. They're prison volunteers at the Beto unit, and they've been they've been doing it for about 16 years. Uh, they've worked many years with Kairos, but Tina also has her own class at the Beto unit uh, called Battlefield, Battlefield of the Mind, where she talks to uh, lots of guys at one time. And then Mark has a mentoring that he does, and he has a write, writing ministry. He likes to write inmates and mentor them that way. So today we get to hear the story of how they got married, got started in prison ministry, what that was like for them at the beginning, how they've been blessed as much of they, as they've been a blessing to the inmates, their challenges, ups and downs, how you can join them and become a prison volunteer. So without any further delay, here's my interview with Mark and Tina Wage. Mark and Tina Wage, welcome to Background Check Podcast. Glad to be here. Good, good that you can come down and do it here. I am excited. You know, uh, I came out a couple of weeks ago to uh, because I was out here getting some wood and Kemp, and I thought, man, y'all, I know y'all are close. And so I remember, I remember messaging you, and you gave me the address, and I looked it up, and I said, man, the, to myself, I said, this looks like they're right on the lake. And that's what I messaged you back. I'm like, am I reading this right? Are y'all right on the lake? And you said, yeah. And I was like, all right. We might be making more than one, just one trip out here. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I, I remember saying, you know, when you got here, this, that this is, you know, our little piece of heaven here. Yeah, so it's kind of yeah. nice. You did. You did say that. And it, it is very nice. So the, the view from the lake is beautiful. We'll have some pictures uh, of it on the on the show page so, so people can go see where you guys live. So, all right, well. I've known you for quite a while because you've uh, referred. I don't even know how we got connected. How did how did we even how did we first meet? How did you hear about us? I mean, all I remember is y'all send us uh, people from Beto, and uh, by the way, you're you're volunteers in Beto. You 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 worked with Kairos for so many years. Uh, so just tell us a little bit, Tina. If you want to go first, tell us a little bit if you remember how we met. Because oh, I just turned fifty, so I I don't I don't remember anything anymore. <laughs> we we met through uh, the couple that was funding your scholarship program. Okay, John and Diane Wells. John and Diane. Gotcha. All right. They were they were friends uh, through Kairos. Okay, and then and, they and they were volunteers at Beto as well. So. Yeah. And they told y'all about us, uh, and I think maybe was it whenever they were trying to send Brian, Brian Mosier to us. Was that, or did y'all connect before that? We connected before, before that. That, okay. that was me that initiated that though with you. That was the first time I, well, that might've been the first time we met. Gotcha. So that was weird because Brian Mosier, I guess, knew everybody because he knew, he knew y'all, he knew Diane Wells, but then Perry Holloway is the one who actually brought him to the house. So yeah, he knew all the right volunteers. So that's, <laughs> uh, so that's good. So, all right, well, tell us, Man, I've known what you've been doing in Beto and how the important work you guys do, and we'll talk about that later. But what I what I want to know is, uh, first of all, how you guys met. How you guys met? Uh, you take turns telling the story, because if you tell the stories like me and my wife, they always sound different. So uh, Tina, why don't you go first? Tell us how y'all met, and uh, and and then we'll get into how y'all got into prison ministry. Well, I had just moved to Clearwater, Florida. And uh, I was uh, coming down a hallway, and I happened to see this good-looking guy at the end of the hallway, very spiffy, and he had brilliant blue eyes and this smile on his face. And so uh, an immediate connection. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. Brilliant <laughs> blue eyes. All right. I've never, never heard eyes described as brilliant, but that is amazing. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And so that, so you met him. Did you say, were you the instigator? Did Mark, do you want to pick up the story? Mark, well, he was the instigator. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
Well, I was, again, uh, looking for people to help me with uh, uh, a job that I had writing to other... Hang on just a second. By the way, y'all, if you hear wind chimes in the background, it's we're here at their lake house, and it's very windy, and I, I'm not going to do anything about it because I just love the, um, the ambiance, 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 whatever. <laughs> and um, so so if you hear it, it's that's we're letting that... We're doing that on purpose. All right. Go ahead, and, Mark. And, and I had this this job that I was doing to help uh, uh, find people within the main organization there to write to some of the outlying churches across the United States and actually across the world. And uh, I needed people to help do that job. So I asked her if she wanted to uh, uh, help write these letters. And, and she uh, agreed to do it. I told her, told her to meet me at my office, you know, and we agreed upon a time and so what? Where was this hallway? Why were you in the hallway? What? Where were y'all when all this took place? Well, it, it's a. It was an old bank building, uh, that the that the church had purchased, and uh, uh, the long hallway was back where the vault was, where they had okay. all the safe deposit boxes and everything. Gotcha. And were so, you like just guarding all that stuff, or no, no, no? What I were was, you doing I there? Was, I was there uh, actually looking for people to, to help me, and okay. I had stopped at that guard station there to all right when when uh, you first walked in there was that guard station so you know not anybody could just walk right. in and so she said she described a body part of yours brilliant do you want to do you want to use a word <laughs> do you want to use a word to describe a body part of hers uh well i mean <laughs> i noticed her right away i mean I, she was walking all with, of her parts were beautiful Right. She was walking with somebody else, as I as I recall, but I don't even remember who it was or what they looked like. I just noticed her. It was a guy? My daughter. Oh, your daughter. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, and, I, you know, yeah, and I yeah. get that, Mark, because when my wife, well, the second day I was out of prison, and I'm standing there talking to somebody after Bible study that night. It was a Wednesday night, and I shared my testimony. Well, then at 9.03 p.m., Jessamy walks into that same room, and at that point, the person I was talking to became totally irrelevant i didn't hear a word they kept talking because they still thought i was listening to them. right but i i didn't hear a word they said after jessamy walked into the room so i get it i get it that you didn't notice anybody else around um, you know we went out on a date i think out to the beach or something mm -hmm. and, and and it just you know now how long before y'all got married how long did y'all date it's probably about a year awesome yeah, all about right a year. So now this June you're gonna be married forty years. Yeah. My goodness. And I keep, what's I been keep, the secret? I keep messing up the date too, because we were we uh we had gone on a vacation. We were in Florida and gone on a vacation uh to California to see my mother and she followed me out later and we were supposed to get married on June twenty first and we got married in Reno. So we drove over to Reno from Sacramento. And uh, we got there too late. The the county offices were closed. Mm. So uh, uh, we ended up getting married on the 22nd. But I always get that date mixed up. Because your intended date was the 21st. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I could see how that. All right. So you're married. And, and uh, the secret, you know. Secret to the long-lasting marriage. Uh, you know, it? is you, you have to continue to grow together you know you can't i mean a lot of people you know they start doing different things and i guess that's all right but you got to grow together they start doing different things and it causes them to grow apart right and then and there's a difference between growing apart and growing together that's good and so it's a good secret and mark always says the secret to a happy marriage is separate bathrooms oh yeah <laughs> I, I, yeah it might be, I, you might you might be onto something there that's, that's what i was saying you know earlier i think uh you know there's there's two bathrooms in our place here and there's her bathroom and then there's our bathroom yeah so. absolutely we don't ever get one by ourselves no no i I, I know that I know that I live with three women, and so I know I know that all too well. So, uh, all right. So now you're married, and when did prison ministry enter your marriage, and how did it enter your marriage? Well, I guess that started with me um, when we moved here to the lake, or when we came back. We bought this place. Then I had a, I had a job offer in. New England, and we stayed there for five years and came back. 
And uh, I found the church here, uh, St. James. And I think that was around 2005. And they are very heavily involved in prison ministry. And I knew nothing about it. And they kept encouraging me to come to a closing. And, and finally, they I was bombarded by now, people for people, saying... Now, for people that don't know what a closing is, can you... Can you just talk about that real quick? Sure. Uh, Kairos weekend is a, is a four-day weekend, and they go in with different programs and different talks for the guys, and then the, the women um, stay out, and they do the cooking and the praying and the keeping the guys organized uh, and, and going forward. And then on Sunday, it starts on a Thursday, and on Sunday uh, they have a, what they call a closing. That's where the guys that have gone through the program, and there's 42 at each one, uh, they come out and they, they give their testimony. And they don't know that the outside is going to be there because there's outside the Kairos and there's also the Kairos outside team. Right. And we're all there. And we sing, they'll know we are Christians by our love. And they come around the corner and they start crying. They don't want to. You know, you see yeah. their faces yeah. tighten up and... Uh, it's it's quite an experience for them as well as us. So when you first told Mark that you were going into prison, Mark, what did you think? Um, well, you know, I was kind of skeptical at first, but, you know, after, you know, having gone out there myself several times, uh, I tell people all the time that, that uh, you know, that ask if I'm worried about her being there. I said, well, she's safer there than she would be on any street in yeah. any town. Yeah, that's true. Because they would, myself and my wife, they, they protect us both. That's true. Um, I, I can I can honestly attest to that, that inmates will be very guarding of of the volunteers that, 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 that serve them. And um, so uh, did you have any kids at the time? No, we don't have any between us. I just had my daughter. Oh, but And so how old was she at that time? Oh, boy. She was probably in her... I, I can't think that fast. She, uh, she was sorry. just over 40 at that yeah. time. At that time? Okay. Yeah, so yeah because she's 20 years younger did than she I am. Have a, did she have a, uh opinion about you oh, going yeah. into prison? Oh, yeah. She was not happy about me going into prison. <laughs> now, was she just scared for your safety? Is that the main thing? Uh, more or less, yeah. yeah. She that was one of her big concerns. That's good. I, I you know, I I uh, I can see how that would concern a daughter. But now, how long did it take for her to think? Okay, I think my mom's going to be all right. Probably. Or, she, or she's still a little nervous. No, I don't. I don't think she is now. But uh, it wasn't that long ago. It was maybe five years ago. Okay. All right. So so you got uh, started with Kairos. And then did you, when did you come, come in, Mark, and start? Well, af after she started with, with Kairos, you know, she encouraged me to start going to the closings. It, that was about the only thing I could do at the time. And uh, so I did that on a regular basis. Um, uh, I, I think I may, may have even started writing to some of the guys at that time. Yeah. Um, you know, some of the guys there at, at uh, Beto, I, I mean, I did have another uh, man that uh, uh, I had been writing to that was in prison and trying to work with him uh, already. But the more she got into it, you know, and then she started her uh, her class out there, uh, uh, Battlefield of the Mind, uh, based on the, the Joyce Myers at the Beto unit. This is at the yeah. Beto unit. Now, how long has your class been going on? Probably since about 2009 or 10. Okay. So it's been a while. So you're doing, you're already doing Kairos outside. When did you get involved in it and start doing more with Kairos? Um, the, the chaplains lost all their clerks. Um, something, something happened and they, they took away all the clerks for about a year. And so I volunteered to go down there once a week and help them with the admin because, I mean, 3,500 guys right. and two chaplains doing the admin as well as trying to do the chaplain duties. And um, during that year, I'd, I'd been 
wanting to do this battlefield of the mind. And so I talked to the chaplains about it and they showed me how to put the package together for, for them. And I got it approved. And that's when I, I started right after that. And I started with about 25 guys and the latest class was up to 150. Wow. And it was really... That's a big class. It was really too big. Do you have help in there? <laughs> well, I had facilitators. We split up by tables, and there were about 12, 12 to 14 tables, and they were 8 to 10 guys per table. So so the, the, the guys that had been through the class before that wanted to, you know, stay and help, those, those uh, were turned into facilitators nice. and helped you know, run the class. Table and, leaders that helped right. guide them through. And then, and then were there like big sessions where everybody was paying attention and then you broke out into smaller table discussions? Uh, we kept them in the small table discussions, but we also showed movies and we and I talked to them as well. But it wasn't all me talking to right. them. You know, right. this way they were, they were also with people that, that were there with them, you know, in prison and with a table leader who had been through the class at least once and so they had some standing with them and that most most of them were guys that had done things like uh, some of their leadership programs and and other things what what do, what do you think is the most challenging thing about being a volunteer in prison boy that's a tough question yeah, I, 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 I always felt comfortable doing it um, but I think just handling all the rules hmm. and yeah. trying to trying to not to break the rules. Right. Because so, you want to connect with them and build relationships, but there's certain levels of doing that that are against the rules. Right. I think that is the most challenging part of it. Well, you know, especially as a woman, yeah. you know, you uh, there are certain things that they don't want you to do. You know, there, there's the whole, you know, think process that a lot of people have about people in prison, um, you know, it's like, okay, they're there for a reason, you know, lock them up, throw away the key, too bad, so sad, you know. But there are people in there that that uh, uh, need help, that want help, that can be helped. Right. And if you can get past, you know, whatever you think about them and what they may or may not have done, and, and you can go in and help, in some way, um, you know, either like with the Kairos weekend, the Kairos closing, you know, if, if you can start getting involved, you're going to change a person's life and help them uh, to be a better person when they do get out. Yeah. You know, I was on five different units and there was a volunteer that came into every unit that impacted my life greatly. So, I, for one, know that the direct impact that people like you that serve like you in prison have on my life, you know, I was, um, I'm reminiscing on my prison journal and I'm letting my eight-year-old daughter, Jessa, y'all know her, uh-huh. uh, read the journal. And she's like, oh, who's Mr. Perry? I'm like, he was my teacher. And uh, so then she's reading what I wrote about him and she understands the impact he had on my life. You know, it was a it was a stupid class, but he made it impactful by the questions he asked us, by the way he um, he just he poured into us in a way that that class that we were required to take uh, couldn't, you know. And so, uh, so it's not to me. It was never much about as much about the actual class. It was more about how impactful that volunteer's life was to mine. You know, and to know that there was somebody on the outside that thought enough about a group of people to come in to pour into them, and um, that 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 it really changed my life. It really did, and so so I know the impact you guys have, and I see them. You guys refer people to forgiven felons, so we've got to see a lot of the fruit of y'all's ministry on the inside. Yeah, you've you've had quite a few. I mean, yeah. you know, even like uh, a Brian Dupour. Yeah. Um, you know, he was he was he was going to go somewhere else. I said, "No, you want to go to Forgiven Villains," <laughs> and he, and I was like the second or third person that, that had mentioned that yeah. to him. So, well, he uh, he's doing so good yeah. now. Uh, he's doing amazing. He's got a little 
little baby boy and a beautiful wife. I think his mom and dad finally have moved here uh, from Louisiana. So, so he's doing great. They're, but this, they're doing amazing. You know, that's a really good example of, you know, somebody that did something wrong somewhere along the way. But, you know, you, you, you can't. You can't let that bother you or upset right. you or even think about it. There, there's a good person in there and who's destined to do good things. And somewhere in prison, you know, he turned his life around. His full story, uh, he, he's in our documentary. And if anybody wants to watch the documentary, it's on Roku and 2 TV. And he tells his whole full story about how God turned his life around. And, you know, he, he came out and did everything the right way. He wrote goals down. He, he, he followed his path, his pattern, and listened to the Holy Spirit and, and started accomplishing all his goals. And he's still doing that. So, um, all right. So, the I, I was going to mention, too, just after, you know, when she got her class started, uh, you know, I was still doing the, you know, the Kairos closings and all that. But she had a car accident and was unable to drive for a long time. So, I started you know, going down there, driving her down there, and of course going in and while she was doing her class. And the more I did that, the more involved I got, you know, specifically with, with the guys. In yeah. There. And, and one of the ways you like to get involved is you like to write them. Absolutely. And that is something that, uh, that you kind of, um, took to another level once COVID hit. Um, uh, yeah, I feel, like, I feel like you wrote, <laughs> you wrote a lot more. You were even asking me if I knew of anybody you could write as well. And, um, you know, one of the greatest times in prison for any man, no matter what religion they were, no matter what race they were, no matter how rich or how poor their commissary was, the one time everybody looked forward to was mail call. You know, am I going to get a, am I going to get a letter? Am I going to get a card? Am I going to get, and I remember Mark, my, my first Christmas in prison, my mom was working at a retirement center Uh and she got every resident at that retirement center that she knew. She got them my address and had them send me a Christmas card. Wow! I got forty. Was, I got forty-five in one week. One that, week, all the guys were like, of, "They're like, what are you? Who is this? Are you a celebrity?" I'm like, "No, I just have <laughs> one of those moms, you know." And uh, but that was the neatest thing, you know. And, but and, you know, and and that's something that just about anybody can do anybody. is you know, uh, get a name. And, and start writing that person, you know, find out what's going on. See what you don't you can have do to have this them. big ministry. You don't have to go to no. a closing. You don't have to have your own class. All those are good stuff. And it might progress into that, uh, you know, because God will just open up your eyes and heart to a grace that you never imagined. And you might want to do more, you know, but if, if I would say to anybody that's even interested in prison ministry, start, start sending people cards first. Yeah. You know, and Mark's got some great ideas. Uh, he's on Facebook, so follow him and message him if you want. But uh, but I appreciate that. And, and and you even got creative once they said no more cards. Yeah, that was sad. That was yeah. a bummer. But you got creative and just start photocopying Yeah, just cards. make a photocopy. I mean, I still get some of them back once in a while. I've written a lot of complaints about that. But Why do they send them back? Um, because because when I when I photocopy them, I, I don't send them in like a number 10 envelope. Right. I'll send them like in a square envelope that you would that get a card. That looks like in. a card. And and uh, you know whoever's in the mail room is a little bit too lazy to actually open it mm. up and, and see what is inside. Don't get inside. me started on the mail room. Uh, uh, you know, or or they you know somehow have hired somebody that can see inside of an envelope and see that it is a card when it isn't. <laughs> wow. But but and and the other thing I wanted to say about that too is if if you get started in in writing to somebody. You have to remember, too, that that person may not have uh, any funds on their account there where they can get a, you know, a stamp, an envelope. So you got to keep writing them. Right. Because, you know, they just may not be able to respond back to you. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's true. That's true. I've heard a lot of people that have written inmates that. Not a lot, but a yeah, few. Yeah, they get discouraged, you know, if they don't write back, and you can't do that. It's like... I try to tell to tell people, too, they may have written back. It may have just got lost. We've had some people, uh, we've had some applications 
that have showed up three months later from wow. the time they actually sent them. I'm looking at the post date. And I'm like, now whose fault was this? TDCJ or was it the the government post office? I don't know. We don't know. But well, one one other thing I want to say is, uh, if you have an opportunity to go to a closing, that you should do that because. When I went to that closing, I did not know that uh, that I was going to um, be involved in prison ministry because I I was like bark, you know. I went in. It's it's like you don't have uh, an idea of what it's all about, and so I went in uh, blind, basically, not not even thinking about prison ministry until I heard some of their stories. And when I heard their testimonies, it's just like God tapped me on the shoulder and said, this is what I want you to do. And I'm going, but I don't know anything about this. Really, is this what you want me to do? And there are so many great things that happened at those Kairos weekends. I mean, everything from, you know, somebody getting saved to somebody, you know, uh, uh, getting out of a gang. You know, I mean, several times. I love those stories. Yeah, you know, all of a sudden, hey, I'm not doing this anymore. That, that's what changed my mind, and I don't know whether tell, whether tell I tell us uh, whether whether each one of you have a separate one or you or you think of one together. But give us an give us a, a personal story, like we just talked about Brian. Uh, you know that's a great story. But tell us something. Tell us another story uh, of like just a major change you saw that happened directly because of Kairos. Well, Brian is that story. Oh, he is was, he? Okay. He was my prayer partner. So he was he was At, actually a part of the Kairos. He was part of a Kairos, and in his now. he did a, he was a fourth day speaker at, at another Kairos before he got out, and he said at that point in time that Kairos changed his life, mm. and it made him look a different direction. Yeah. And he was he was a facilitator in my class from the time he was in Kairos to the time he left. And and about a year before he, came, he actually came up for parole. You know, I started working with him, telling him what he needed, you know, things he needed to do, what, you know, things he needed to think about doing, you know, in that year before he got out. You know, I tell him all kinds of things, you know, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, when you get out, you're going to have probably get a job. And if it's a physical job, like working in a warehouse, you know, if you're not in any kind of shape, you're they're going to be calling an ambulance for you by lunch. Yeah. So you need to get on to a, you know, a regular uh, uh, exercise routine. Yeah, that's good. You know, things like that, you know, that they, they just, you know, don't even think about. Right. You know, well, and, and, and starting yeah. to think for themselves, you know. And he had a lot of schooling. He actually kept himself very busy. And he, I think, had two degrees. I don't know whether, whether yeah. they were associates or not, but he, yeah. he had two degrees by the time he left. That's why he was so smart. <laughs> uh, so... What did COVID do for you guys for the for the whole volunteer thing? I mean, how did that obviously the emotional just not being able to go in, you know? It, it was strange because, you know, the last time we were there, you know, we, we thought, well, you know, this might get shut down for a little bit, maybe a month, you know, maybe even two, but we never thought it was gonna be over a year. Mm. So I mean that's you know, after that happened, you know, that's when I kinda went into overdrive on my letters. And uh, I you know, I write a lot of letters. I mean, um, a lot of them are to Beto, but I write to guys all over the state. Yeah. And I write to guys in other states as well. So, are y'all excited about going back in? Oh yeah. Yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> Have you uh, talked to the chaplain yet? When's it going to happen? Are they still Beto's still on lockdown, I think, right? It's yeah, on, they were doing shakedown. It's on yeah. regular lockdown. Regular shakedown right lockdown, yeah. Yeah, I've, so, I have talked to the chaplain. I told him that we'd be willing to help him out any way he needs. I think Perry's going to take me in with him to go to the G4s and G5s. Yeah. Yeah, they've been so, working with that. Uh, I forget which class it was. Uh, I can't remember either. I'm uh, excited. I can't Voyager wait to go back in. Voyager or something like that. I can't wait. So uh, why do you got, Why do y'all do it? You've been doing it for so long. <laughs> you don't feel led to try something new, different. Why? Well, why, why do you do it? It's are these I, guys worth it? It's, it's what I was saying before. You know, I mean, these are these are you know these are good people. I mean, for the most part, ninety eight percent of them are good people, and 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 they got themselves in a bad situation. They got caught. They got sent to prison. 
doesn't mean they're bad. doesn't mean they can't change. A can't. small portion of them are, are even innocent. That's right. And I'm learning that. I, I, I meet a new exoneree like every two or three months. And uh, so not everybody in there is guilty. That's for sure. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, anything you can do to, to help them, uh, to give them hope yeah. for when they get out. You know, I, th I think that's an important thing to do. What are some things that y'all think that the volunteer department of TDCJ could improve on? Like policy changes, something that would actually make y'all's job easier. Volunteers across the, the state would could be, you know, could be uh, easier on them to be able to make even more of an impact on the guys. Can you think of anything? Well, one of the things that I've seen... Um over the last couple of years anyway, but last year especially, and I don't know that that can change, is the faith-based wing um, started at Beto as a volunteer, uh, started it and kept it going full-time, and he would get donations as a salary. And uh, so he helped develop the faith-based wing that they now are putting out all, all around the state knowing that it works. And right now there's a, a breakdown of that in Beto because they've had to take over Gurney's job of intake gotcha. as well. And so they're just putting guys wherever. And so the faith-based wing is kind of not really the faith-based wing yeah. right now. And that's, yeah. that's quite sad because they have a, a very good program to help get the guys in shape to, to go out in the world. Gotcha. What, and, would, what would happen if they, I mean, we, we obviously know because of COVID they, all the volunteer programs have been shut down. We know that, but what if they decided that, you know what, even if, even if we have, don't have COVID, we don't want these volunteers in here anymore. What would happen to our prison system? <laughs> well, one of the things uh, that I remember is they, they did a, a serve. They did a, what I would call an evaluation and they looked at uh, what was changing in the prison system and why the, instead of opening new prisons, they were closing prisons. And the thing that came up was the faith-based programs, the volunteer programs, the faith-based wing, Kairos, uh, your programs that you, that you do. Uh, so there, there's no way that they could change that. And they were thinking about taking away the chaplains and, uh, there was a lot of letter writing that went on back then and said, you know, if you save one guy that doesn't return, then you've paid his salary. And so it changed. It changed the, the think on yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I hope, I know I was in there 15 years ago. April 18th will be 15 years that I've been out. Yay. And um, I don't even know if there was any, there was, I don't, I'm not familiar. There wasn't ever a faith-based dorm where I went. So I don't know when it started. I, I feel like the one at Hutchins, the, the, the unit I'm most familiar with, started uh, about the time I got out of prison. So, uh, so I don't know. I don't know when they started actually and when they started growing, but they didn't have them whenever I was. I was on five different units and there was not a faith-based dorm in any of them. And I kind of wish there was. I wish there would have been. Yeah, and and I think it probably has only been going really strong for maybe the last ten years. Yeah. Uh, previous to that, there there was the the test, you know, the building of it and and breaking it out into a few units. But yeah. when the state recognized what the faith based units were doing, how what they were turning out, and how the recidivism rate was so much lower, if they'd gone through the faith based program that uh, they encouraged all the prisons to do that. They yeah. wanted to see it all the way through. Yeah. So, Tina, you don't get scared when you go to your class knowing that there could be murderers, rapists, child molesters in there that are trying to trying to grow in the Lord? Nope. I look at the guy. I don't look at, the, at are, what they do. Are they, they able do. to grow in the Lord because of those sins? <laughs> well, of course. Okay. <laughs> Just want to make sure because, you know, uh, there was a, a Facebook post uh, recently because of arrest that was made in Arlington for that illegal immigrant mm. who had um, been wanted on several accounts for, um, you know, molestation of a child and rape and everything else. And everybody was talking about the sex offense. And I said, well, first of all, um, the problem was he sh 
he committed some sex crimes in 2000 and was deported and somehow was let back in the United States to make. So first of all, we have an illegal immigration problem with that guy. Right. If our system worked, he would not have been back into the, in the United States to commit these new crimes. But they, they made the statement, you know, just a blanket statement, you know, uh, we should, we should chip all sex offenders and track them. And they're all evil. They're all, um, they're never going to get better. They cannot be rehabilitated. And I just, I mean, it was breaking my heart just to read. This is a dear friend who's a Christian. And, and just even several posts before that, she has a, she had a, she had a prodigal son that came back home and, you know, she said, don't you just, she said something about, um, if you can't appreciate a good comeback story, um, we ain't the same. And that was just a few posts back and, and me and another girl who have the same mutual friend, her stepfather, who was a sex offender, who committed, committed a sex offense and has gone on to be awesome for the, for the kingdom. We both said something on there and, uh, and to all these comments, mostly ladies that were just saying, you know, forget chipping. They should all hang. They should all get the death penalty. They should wow. all. And I was, it was breaking my heart, you know, and I went on there and put Priscilla Bordeo's, um, you know, she was the, she was a victim of her sexual abuse from her dad. And she now advocates in, in Michigan for the offender, right. For the perpetrator and the victim. And, um, and then I, and then I, you know, told about John Cordero, you know, I, I put both of those podcasts on there and then she came back on and, and kind of, she didn't backtrack all the way, but she said, maybe chipping is overdoing it. You know, maybe it's too much. Maybe we don't chip all of them, you know? So I understand, you know, cause I talked about God's grace and love, the depth of it. There's no, and I, and I, he had to jar my, my, my thinking loose too, when I first got out of prison. Mm -hmm. So were, were there, was there any of that thinking, the stereotypes of any of it before you went in? Yeah, uh, because I had heard some real horror stories. But I also know that being marked as a sex offender can be anything as, as I'm, I don't want to say small because nothing's small, but uh, statutory rape where it's consensual. Right. But their, their age differences. Yeah. From that to the, the child molestation. Yeah. Uh, they group them even, all together. There's even been some some cases where people have gotten uh, indecency in a park, yeah. where they were just going to the restroom and they thought no one was looking. They not they thought they got enough in the trees, and now they're they're a registered sex offender because they were going to the bathroom in the park. Yeah, and and that bothers me that that that's not separated out yeah. better. Yeah, I mean Thank I'm. You. I've been on golf courses and I've been on playgrounds <laughs> where I've had to go to the bathroom and I've gone in trees before, you know, right. and I'm just like, my goodness, that could have happened to me. Yeah. So, uh, at what point were in your, in your journey, did some of those stereotypes start to fall away and you go, man, God loves this person, no matter what they've been charged with or convicted of. Well, a lot of, a lot of this just studies that I've done, the devotionals that I do, I know that, in my heart, you know, the Bible says he created man. I mean, he created everybody. And there's, I don't think there's anybody that can't be saved that really wants to be saved. Amen. And I, and I'm sure that he gives them that opportunity and he challenges, he, he challenges as well as he teaches, as well as he loves. Yeah. So good. So good. All right. So if you're encouraging people to get involved or somebody's listening, they want to know how to get involved other than write a letter, you know, what, what would be something that you would, you would tell them and encourage them with? Is there a way to be a part of a Kairos without? Yeah. The, Kairos is international, so they can go to Kairos, I think.org. Okay. Uh, and, and they, we'll put a link in that on the show. Yeah, page I'm sure as well. that they've got a, a link there that they could. So just could, go to their website. Could, and, yeah. And, and, and go to a closing, you know, see what it's all about. And anybody can go. To, there's no qualifications for that. You just sign up for one or have to be invited to one or what? You don't have to be invited to one, but you need to find somebody that is in Kairos that can put your name on the list. Gotcha. You know, and they'll have to, you know, show an ID and fill out an application and all that. But, right. you know, to go in and, 
and see see the changes and hear the changes and all the encouragement from the other men that are there. Yeah. Uh, you know, to, to see what happens and, and how that program can start to change somebody and, and right. turn their life around. And then, you know, maybe get involved, you know, if, if uh, you know, if it's a female, they have the Kairos outside team yeah. that uh, helps all the guys that are going in. You can, uh, you know, work yourself up to going in and, and working a table for the whole weekend. That's that's an amazing thing because on the on the uh, on the closings, you get to see the end result. Yeah. But if you go in and you actually work a table, you know, you can see those changes hour by hour almost. Yeah. And it's really amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. And I want to distinguish between the Kairos outside team, which is part of the main Kairos. And there's actually a group called Kairos outside, which works with the women of the offenders. Helps them, too. Okay. And those are free weekends for them, and they'll they'll go. They'll make arrangements for them to get there and to spend the weekend in childcare if they need. So it's it's quite a great organization, Kairos outside, and they can see that too. I'm sure online. How much longer um, are y'all going to do prison ministry? As long as I can write. <laughs> <laughs> Victor about- Hunter's still going. <laughs> And he, he's had many illnesses, broken bones, all kinds of stuff. He still shows up. Wow. He's amazing. Wow. Well, you guys are heroes of mine. Uh, let me ask you one more question before I, before we uh, stop. So a lot of people that, that go in, like whenever we go in with organizations like Mike Barber and we go cell to cell and talk to the guys and a lot of people that have never been in before, come out and they say they went in to bless somebody, but they came out being blessed by the inmates. Speak to that a little bit. How has y'all's life been blessed? Even though y'all go in to bless, you write to bless. How have the inmates blessed your life in these last, what, 15 years? One of the things that, that I've told Mark over and over again is, I may get up really tired in the mornings because I'm not a morning person and my class starts at eight. <laughs> so you got a ways <laughs> to drive. After, get after an hour's drive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I, I may be tired going in, but when I'm there, I'm not tired. Wow. It's like it, it's, it energizes me and the guys energize me because it's a two way street. You know, they tell me the things that are happening with them. I try to, to give them good advice, Mark works does a lot of mentoring when he's inside. Yeah. But just the battlefield of the mind—that's such basic stuff, you know. Teaching them how to change the way they think, uh, how the way change the way they look at things—it's just like a guard. And and I've told this to the guys over and over. It's just like send them a blessing. If it's somebody that is is angry, send them a blessing because you're piling what God calls piling coals up on top of you're piling blessings up on top of those coals and what happens is the coals go away and it ends up with the blessings i said you're going to see a change in that in that officer somewhere down the road you're going to see a change that's awesome yeah i mean yeah that's probably the biggest thing is you know you you see the changes in these people you know over time and you know i mean we're we were there consistently you know every week and, uh, you know, they, they look forward to that. We look forward to seeing them, uh, you know, and, and, and watching them change. And we used to have a game when, when I'd start my class and I'd talk to them about negative words and negative thoughts. And I'd say, do this for the next week. Um, every time you realize that you've said a negative word or a negative thought, say, cancel that. And it, that one week, it, it got to be a joke because they go around saying, cancel that, cancel that. Because <laughs> they would have a yeah. negative thought. And they'd, they'd be doing it with it. each other, too. You so know, funny. Cancel that. <laughs> so funny. I could, I could see that. They, they had a good time with it. And I hadn't thought about that until we, we went to your uh, open house the other day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, uh, I know that y'all have been a blessing to me and my family and Forgiven Felons family um, since we've known y'all. And y'all have come to uh, every open house that you have been able to come to. And even even some of the ones that we weren't really expecting you to be at, 
uh, because we knew you drew, we know you drive a long way to get there. And, uh, and so thank you for what you do, for what you've meant to us. You're my heroes. And, uh, of course I'm going to let you say something else. <laughs> go, go right ahead. Um, the, the guys, oh, and it's gone right out of my head. Oh no, oh, I'm no. so sorry. Uh, it had to do with the, well, whenever the I love, you okay. know, it, they, they don't, uh, they recognize a con and they recognize yeah. when you're not real. Yeah. So if you go in and you don't really have the intention to help or to love them and show them God's love, they know it right away. Yeah. And that's the biggest validation you can get from these guys yeah, is to have so them true. say that they know, you know, so true. Well, I know they appreciate y'all, uh, Every application and letter I get that mentions y'all's name, which is quite, quite every, <laughs> almost every one of them from the Beto unit. And even some that I guess get transferred mm -hmm. uh, to other units that have been at the Beto unit under your right. care. Uh, y'all are spoken very, I've never, I've never read a letter where they've had to cancel that. They've had, they've always had positive <laughs> words, positive <laughs> things to say about you guys. And, uh, and so I appreciate what y'all are doing for the kingdom. And uh, I, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of people in heaven. Um, there's going to be a whole block, probably. Yeah, they can the, always wheel me the, in. The, 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 the Martina, <laughs> the Tina and Mark block of people that they've affected and impacted for the kingdom. It's going to be a huge block. So, um, but thank y'all for pouring into Forgiven Felons out here, helping us touch these guys' lives when, once they get out. You guys are called to the inside. I don't mind going back inside, but I'm called to the outside. Right. And so I think uh, I think we make a great team. So you guys keep touching them on the inside, and we'll keep uh, facilitating them on the outside. So I think we have a few that are have been referred by y'all just waiting to make parole. So yeah. yeah. So we're excited about that. And um, so thank thank you for taking the time to do this, letting me come out to the lake house, and I can't wait to have a party out here. So we can um, so we can come come hang out on the lake with y'all, but thanks again for sure. for everything you do. Um, I don't know I don't know maybe in heaven is when you'll realize the full impact that it's, you've had for the kingdom. But just know that you you have impacted my life uh, and a lot of people's lives for the kingdom. It's definitely a blessing to me because I feel it, and and I love what you get, what you're doing with the guys. Well, y'all keep going for as long as you can. <laughs> and, and anybody out there to listen, write to somebody in prison. There you go. All right. Thanks, guys. Okay. This was uh, definitely a fun interview to do because I got to do it right, you know, by the lake. <laughs> there are some um, pictures of their lakefront property. And it's, I would call it a little humble lakefront property. It's, um, it's beautiful. Got a little uh, mobile home on the property. And overlooks, I mean, literally, you can walk 50 feet and you're on the lake. But this was fun. I, I really appreciate, as somebody who whose life has been impacted by ministries like Bill Glass, Mike Barber, and then the tons of volunteers that came in to do the church services, to do the AA classes, to do everything. They didn't have faith-based dorms when I was in prison, so everything that we had... Um, was was definitely appreciated. Now the faith based dorms, faith based dorms are so amazing. Uh, everybody has uh, the, made available to them the greatest curriculums and programs to grow their faith and mature in, just as a as a regular person, but also in the Lord. So Mark and Tina have a great story, and and it's one that is. Uh, embodied by dedication. And I said in the intro that they are more in love with each other and prison ministry today than they ever have been, and I, I really believe that. And, and listen, if you want to get involved, even if you just want to get involved in writing like Mark does, uh, and again, you don't ever want to give inmates your personal address. I don't even do that. And so... But, but you want to give them a P.O. box. Uh, if you don't have one through your church, sometimes churches will let inmates write the, their congregants through their P.O. box. So check with your, your local church to see. But, man, I'm telling you, man, it just the mail call time, 
The guys love getting mail, even if it's from somebody they don't know. Sometimes you can speak into an inmate's life. You know, every once in a while we get letters from female inmates wanting to come to our transitional house program, but we don't have, we don't serve women in the houses. And so, but I always feel compelled to write them back and to speak into their lives. And the women, the women enjoy that so much. But if you, if you, if you've ever been in with us, I know Jessamy and I have led some, um, some, some weekends with Mike Barber and we've taken people in. If you've ever gone in, even at least once, thank you so much. Cause I know you got blessed, but I also know that you touched someone's life when you went in and that's what Matthew 25 is all about. That's why he said, you know, go visit, visit me in the prisons. I love how, uh, I can't remember the, who said it. I can't remember who said it, but he said, if you want to encounter Jesus, go inside a prison. Cause you're not, you're not bringing Jesus to them. You're going into prison to encounter Jesus. He's already there. He's already there. Sometimes we think, oh, I'm going to bring Jesus to these guys. And, and that's, that's good. That's what we want to do. We want to go in there to share the love of Jesus. But most of the time, I'd say 90% of the time, volunteers go in and they, are, they go in and they think, oh, my gosh, I didn't have to bring anything. Jesus is already here. The Holy Spirit's already here. And so they just got to jump in, jump in. And, 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 and I, I believe re- revival is happening in prisons. And I believe the uh, COVID was a huge distraction from what's going on inside the prisons. I believe that in spite of the Texas prisons uh, just overbearing ability to try to not rehabilitate these guys, uh, com- combined with COVID, there has just been a depression and a distraction in the prisons from what God was doing in there. But I don't believe I, I don't believe it, it worked. I believe that the church in the, the church, the inmates in prison that are Christian, do you know that they are the church as well? Do you look at inmates so so bad and so through your own filters that you don't even see the Christians in prison as part of the body of Christ? They are, and they're a very important body of part of the body of Christ. I remember when my when I first got out, my dad had had cancer and he was on hospice. And I told him, I said, guys, I said uh, Dad, I've just got a letter from the intercessory prayer group in prison. Yes, there is an intercessory prayer group in prison, or at least they have them. And I said, all the guys are praying for your healing. And my dad was just like, oh, my gosh. There's a group of men in prison that are praying for me? Yeah, we as a society have to begin looking at the rehabilitative side I hate that I saw that post from my dear friend on Facebook about a certain crime needing to be chipped and other people commenting about how they just need the death penalty and and all this stuff. And I'm just like, it breaks my heart because I used to be like that. I did. As an on-fire Christian for God, I used to be like that. And I look back at how I have matured in Christ over these 15 years by the way, today is March 26. Uh, I've been posting on Facebook my journal entries from prison. I just want to read my uh, March 26, 2006, my journal entry. Sunday, 6.30 p.m. Wow, what a day in the Lord. Service this morning was awesome. We watched T.D. Jakes, Keep Walking. That was a great video. Measure of a Man, uh, the, the Bible study that I led, was about... Once saved, always saved, and we had some good talk about that doctrine. Um, the journal entry said this was the last one that we will go back. Then we will go back to measure of a man next week. God directed us wonderfully through this topic. Thank you, God. You are so mighty and true. I love you. Uh, the next journal entry for that same day says, I'm listening to American Family Radio right now, and Phillips, Craig, and Dean, wow, remember them, are doing their awakening worship service. I love their worship service. It is anointed by the Holy Spirit. The last journal entry for March 26 was, my laundry bag didn't come back on Friday. 
I was upset at first, but I prayed and God took care of me. Thank you, Lord. I journaled a lot, and so um, if you follow us on Facebook, you'll you'll see me post these journal entries all the way up until the time I get out. It's pretty cool. So, listen, if you know a volunteer that goes into prison, thank them. If you want to volunteer, uh, go to the show page. Kairos is on there. Get involved in Kairos. Um, follow Mark and Tina on Facebook. Their links are there as well. And uh, if you need some in- wisdom and direction on how to write, uh, Mark can help you with that too. All right, get in touch with us for anything. All right, I think Mike Barber, I think we're all, I think all the prison ministries are going in. So if you want to find out how to get more involved in Texas prisons, some of the people that have been on our show, uh, Deanna with Epicenter, I think they are looking for face-to-face in-person mentors or facilitators for uh, their program inside of prison. So we'll, we'll look them up, go back to that show page, see how to get a hold of them. Let's pray over Mark and Tina real quick. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for letting Mark and Tina run into each other in that hallway that day. Lord, we thank you for Tina saying yes to the call of going to a closing for Kairos. Lord, we, we, we thank you for their life, their service, their dedication, their loyalty to you in all the people's lives that they've touched in prison. We ask you to continue to give them good health, give them strength, endurance, stamina to let them continue the work that you've called them to do. Bless them. Give their time and their money and their energy back to them 100-fold. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Love y'all. Have a have a great week. Palm Sunday's coming up. Palm Sunday in prison 15 years ago was amazing. Um, I'm so thankful for the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what power that brings a sinner like me, like myself. I'm nothing without, without Jesus, nothing without Jesus and God. And I thank him for, thank him for everything he's done in my life. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast brought to you by Forgiven Felons helping people with the past realize their future. For more information, please visit ForgivenFelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.